You are tuned in to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Broussard, Louisiana. Let's catch up with Father Michael Delcom as he breaks open the readings for today. So just to kind of get everyone up to speed on, on where we are in our preaching series, Biblical Roots of the Mass, week one we asked the question, who decides how we worship, us or God? And we looked at Exodus, and Exodus told us that it is God who teaches us how to worship. We looked at how Moses was given the, the Ten Commandments, the rules on how to live, but Moses was also given rules on how to worship. So it's God that teaches us how to worship. Week two, we asked the question, well, if that's true, then how did God teach us how to worship? And we looked at sacrifice. God teaches us how to worship him through sacrifice. We said there were four parts to sacrifice. There was the offering, there was the one doing the offering, then there was the offering happens on an altar, and then the, the offering was the fourth part, consummated, either by burning or by consuming. Hopefully you saw those elements, begin to see those elements in what we do here at Mass. Uh, we added a little incense today just to give us the visual, right? We have an altar. We have the priest doing the offering the question for us as we ask is, what is being offered? We have bread and we have wine. And then there's a consummation element to it. The incense is, is the smoke rising up to God and some of the offerings were burnt and the smoke would rise up to God. The rising is our prayer rising up to God. You read that sometimes in the Psalms, the prayer rising up to God. And again, there's the consummation. There was clean sacrifice and there was bloody sacrifice. Last week we looked at the Passover, which was probably the most quintessential, the most important sacrifice of the Old Testament. We looked at the, the lamb and the blood and the, the meal and the meaning of memorial. How when we do something in memorial, we're not just remembering something from the past, we are making present in real time the mystery of what is being celebrated. Which brings us to today, our discussion for today. What we want to talk about today is, what did Passover look like in the time of Jesus? There was a progression of Passover. It did not look like the same meal that was celebrated in Egypt. There was a progression. So your notes might, might help you, those of you who maybe are, are joining us online. The, the notes are in the preaching series. Um, you can maybe pull them up as we kind of go through these notes. We'll just kind of jump right in on, on page two right there on number 11. It talks about how there was 1,800 years span between when the Israelites were in Egypt and, and the time of Jesus. And because of that, there was a progression of the meal. There were some, some adaptations, some incorporation of things. Right there in number 11, it says there were four indispensable aspects of the meal. One, there was the blood of the lamb. No longer did they put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, but they remembered and they talked about the blood of the lamb as the element that saved them from death. Second, they had unleavened bread. They literally had, would have unleavened bread in the meal, and they 
would bless the bread, ask God to bless it. They had the flesh of the lamb. They had to cook the lamb. They had to consume the lamb. It's important to understand that the meal was not finished unless they consumed, they ate, they chewed the lamb. And finally, there was drinking of wine. There were, there were four cups to the meal. And those four cups were symbolic of all the things that were happening in the Passover. If you go ahead and look at 11.7. The adaptation of the cups in the meal was an, an opportunity for the leader of the household, the priest of the household, the father of the household, to tell the story of the salvation history of their people. The first cup, cup of sanctification. Um, the, the meal was set apart. It was the beginning of the meal. It was telling the story of, of the beginning of, of this Passover meal. The cup of proclamation, they would read scripture, retelling the whole story of Exodus. The third cup, the cup of blessing. If you read in Luke 22, verse 17 to 18, it talks about the cup of blessing. When Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper and Jesus was going through the Passover meal, and when Jesus took the third cup, which was the cup of blessing, that was the cup in which Jesus looked at his disciples and said, take this cup the cup of my blood. We're going to kind of unpack that next week, but that was the third cup. That was the cup that Jesus transformed the Passover meal. And the fourth cup was the cup of consummation. The cup of praise and consummation. That was the cup that said the meal is finished. We're going to talk about the symbolism of that cup and where do we find that in the in the Last Supper, because Jesus didn't drink the cup of consummation at the Last Supper. And we're going to ask the question, well, well, where is that cup consumed? As we just kind of build up the Passover and we talk about the transition of the Passover, it's important that we talk about the, the blessing of the bread, right there in number 12, 1. The leader of the household, the priest of the family, the dad, he would take unleavened bread and he would say a blessing over the bread and this these are the words that he would say blessed are you lord god who bring forth bread from the earth he would take the bread the unleavened bread and he would say that blessing he would say those words then he would take the cup filled with wine he would say blessed are you O lord our god king of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine Hopefully, we are we're able to, to make the connections with what we do here at Mass. The, the priest, the head of the, the parish family, the, the head of, of Sacred Heart is, in a few minutes, going to take bread. And he's going to hold it over the altar. And sometimes we hear these words at Mass said verbally. Sometimes the priest just kind of says it to himself or says it to the Lord. He's going to hold the bread on behalf of us and say, blessed are you. Lord God of all creation, through your goodness, we have this bread to offer. Fruit of the um, work of, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Very similar words that were said at the Passover. These words from the Passover are taken into our Eucharistic celebration. Then he's going to take a cup filled with wine. He's going to say, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have the fruit of the vine and work of human hands. will become our spiritual drink. 
Those words of blessing that the priest says at the Passover are similar. It's, at, it's adapted to the words that we say here at Mass, at the altar, at the table on which we take from the altar the body and blood of Jesus. Now, to help us understand why we are here and why we have a sanctuary, why we have a holy place, why we have an altar, why we have a priest, there was progression of how the Jewish people worshiped God. So we, we established the Passover. That was when they were in Egypt. But when the Israelite people, God's people, went into the Holy Land, the Promised Land, God instructed them to build a temple. The temple was going to be the place where they worship God. The temple was going to be the place where they sacrifice to God. They built a temple. In the temple, they put an altar. And God said, I want you to take from your people a group of men and set them apart. Consecrate them. Ordain them to be priests. That's how we understand the Levitical priesthood. If you read the, the Old Testament, they're the Levites. And from the 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 tribe of Levite, there were Levitical priests, and those men were in charge of the temple. Those priests were the ones offering sacrifices to God. So when it came to the Passover, instead of the priests of the house, the dads, sacrificing the lamb, they would bring the lambs to the temple, and they would give them to the priests, and the priests would offer those sacrifices to God. So this is interesting, so interesting. A lot of connections are going to be made here. Just to give you some framework, I don't know if you remember, because I don't remember, way too young to remember, but back in the day, they used to have altar rails in church, right? Altar rails in church, and it was the priest who would distribute communion, the priest who would distribute the body and blood of Jesus. And people would come up to the altar rail and they would kneel at the altar rail and the priest would go one at a time and he would distribute communion to each person. Well, in the temple, they would have an altar rail. And the altar rail was to separate the people bringing the offerings from the priests who were on the other side. And the altar was on the other side. And what Passover would look like was the men, the priests of the household, would bring uh, the unblemished lamb, the the perfect male, one-year-old lamb, would bring the lamb to the temple. Usually they would bring their their youngest, their, their son. And the son and the dad would come up to the altar rail, and the son... Um, This is, again, not a PG version of what really happened. This is what really happened. Uh, The son would hold the lamb over the altar rail, and the dad would have a knife, and the priest was on the other side with a chalice ready to catch the blood of the lamb. And the father would slit the throat of the lamb, and the blood would be poured out, right? They're giving that lamb to God as a sacrifice, and the life of the lamb would be in the blood. And the priest would catch the blood in the chalice. And the priest would take that blood and go to the altar in the temple and pour the blood on top of the altar. And that was the way that they were offering sacrifice to God. It's really important that we catch all of these connections. 
Remember, why did the priest wear a chasuble? It was a bib to protect his inner garments from all of the blood. It was a bloody day. It was a day when two, over 200,000 lambs were sacrificed in the temple by priests. This was the role of the priest, to offer, to take the offering from the people and bring it to the altar and offer it to God. Now, the the dad didn't leave the lamb in the temple. The dad took the lamb and he would bring it to his home in which they would cook it and get it ready for the meal. And how he would bring it home is that they would prepare it on a spigot. They would, if you can imagine this, they would send a, a rod through the shoulder of the lamb, the two shoulders just to kind of separate it, just to kind of expand the ribs. We do this uh, when we, we, have you ever been a cochon delay, right? You don't just throw a pig on the, on the fire, you spread it out to where it can cook. And so in a very real way, the lambs were put in a cruciform way. So they would spread out the shoulders, put a rod in the shoulders, and then they would put a rod uh, through the mouth and come out the back end. And so if you can imagine this, as the men of the house were coming back to their homes, they would be carrying up high the lamb that they had sacrificed in the temple. They were bringing it to their home. And so there was over 200,000 men carrying high in the air this lamb in a crucified form back to their home. Now what's interesting, what's interesting is this. Um, on the, to put all this in context, the families would come into town on the 10th day of Nisan. This is all in the Bible. On the 10th day of Nisan and This was um, five days before the Passover, and they were looking for a lamb. They were looking for a lamb they would procure. They were looking for a lamb they would sacrifice. It had to be, again, a male, unblemished lamb. Because on the 15th day was when they went to the temple to sacrifice that lamb. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate um, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the... 10th day of Nisan. Palm Sunday is when people were, the people, the families were coming into town looking for a lamb to sacrifice. Palm Sunday is the 10th day of Nisan when Jesus comes into town on a donkey who is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Everyone's looking for a lamb and the lamb himself was coming into town fully knowing that he would be sacrificed on Good Friday. All of these connections are not just a coincidence. They're not just some random way that we put all these things together. Like what we're, what we're leading up to is that Jesus is the new Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a reason John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Why in the world would he say that? Because God is rewriting the script. God is giving us a new Passover. God is giving us a new covenant. God is giving us a new meal to celebrate. It's the Mass. That's why um, when we talk about memorial, 
What we do here is not just remembering what Jesus did at the Last Supper. It's not just remembering what he did on the cross. It's not just remembering the resurrection. When we do this in memorial of him, when we say those words, take this, all of you, and eat of it, we are entering into the one mass that has been celebrated over 2,000 years ago. And that mass comes from what has been celebrated even 2,000 years before that. We are part of a history that is over 4,000 years old. Just because we can't cover everything, next week we're going to talk about the specific words that Jesus says at the Last Supper. We're going to talk about what this means. What is a new covenant, a new meal? a new sacrifice, but at least for today, I want us to get the imagery, the reality of this sanctuary, the reality of the altar, the reality of the priest, the reality of taking bread and saying the blessing and offering it up to God. We said there were clean sacrifices and bloody sacrifices. What we offered today is, is a clean sacrifice. It's a new sacrifice. The bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. In Mass, we're going to say these words, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on me. We're going to hold up the Eucharist and say, behold the Lamb of God. There's a reason we use those words in Mass. They connect us to the Passover. They connect us to the sacrifice. They connect us to the temple. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but Jesus says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will rebuild it. There's no more temple in Jerusalem. The temple is gone. But we still, today, have an altar. We still have the priesthood. We'll tie all that together next week. What a beautiful faith we have. What a beautiful gift it is to come and celebrate this Mass, to enter into the mystery of Jesus giving us his life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's pause for a moment. Just considering the great gift it is for us to be here, for us to receive the flesh of Jesus, the lamb given to us by God. Let us continue to ask for just a deeper appreciation of what it is that we have and celebrate in the Mass so that we may celebrate it with full hearts, minds given over to God, that we may be a complete gift to him as he is a complete gift to us.